Episode 20, is this 20 or 19? I never get it. I never fucking get it. But this is episode 19 or 20 of Illinois with Bird and Cam. This is your boy, Bird. Always, Cam. Cam, how you doing, dear? I'm good. It's been a long day. I, I did some overtime at work today, so... But, and I got a crack windshield, so uh, you know, living the dream. Yeah, we, we taking L's, man. We taking L's. But, uh... <laughs> It's it's been a couple it's been a few weeks since we uh did the last episode. Um on oh god, my brain is just killing me. I've been up since four in the morning. Like I am just my brain is just on overdrive. But like you can a stressful couple Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but um, it's always it's always good to break bread with you, dive in this another crazy ass murder, and this is something that when in the back of my mind when we first thought about you know doing this podcast, I was like, man, this when I read this story and I read about the who we're gonna profile, it was like, man, I I have to do this story and not just the pro the the, the person we're profiling, but kind of like the culture in large. Because I mean, it mm-hmm. really, it really is a microcosm of what we see in the culture of Chicago, and I guess this, this, this thing we call Chirac, and it's so divisive. I mean, I have friends who just hate that name Chirac. I mean, what it represents, and I know people who like mm-hmm. glorify that, and that's something that we're gonna dwell into. So. Man, we're gonna, we're about to talk about a whole different way of survival for Chicago. Oh yeah. So, yeah, I'm ready to get into this and do the damn thing. All right, but before we do that, we have disclaimers. Oh yes, oh duh, obviously. Wow, it's been so long. Yeah, no right. Um, I just want we just want to let everyone know that we're here to just do our job, um, and re- and the job is to report. So if there's any information that you know that we say that could be incorrect, um you know, disrespectful, anything of that terms, please let us know and hit us up um, through Facebook at Killinois with Bird and Cam. Um, if you guys have a crazy story, please hit us up um, again by uh, through Killinois with Bird and Cam. I actually have a crazy person, or crazy person, a crazy story that I hope we cover probably next week. I'll talk to you about that later. Oh, but, definitely. Um, it's cool. It's cool because I've been camping and so where I was camping, I guess there was a bunch oh, of murders yeah. and shit. So we'll talk about that in a different time. You but, found some bones, um, you found yeah. remains and shit. <laughs> there's anything, but if there's anything we say that's incorrect, disrespectful towards the victim or the defendant, please let us know, um, at Killinois with Bird and Cam. Um, we want to shout out to everyone who's been listening to us and following us. It's really awesome. Yeah, shout um, out to the support, really yeah. us grow, so we're just going to keep growing. We got we got some deals and cool things going on this yes, future. Yes, so. we do. Yeah, we, 
just just grow with us. I don't know, like that's the Bulls tagline, even though they're ass, we're not. So please, you just grow with us. Um, <laughs> that said, uh, shout out to Doug. I know Doug had to come up with us. Uh, uh, how's 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 my Sophie doing? Oh, fabulous! We cuddled. Oh my god, I was in a uh, fur baby sandwich today, sleeping. They, uh, Doug was on top of me. Uh, <laughs> Doug was on top of me, and Sophie was like cradling me. It was so cute. It was. Super oh boy! Cute. And guys, let me just—I know we kind of, you know, getting off topic for a second, but like when I'm in, every time I'm in Springfield and we're like recording, and I got like 10, 11, 12 beers down, and I got a hangover. It's four in the morning. I got the Kennedy assassination playlist on YouTube, and I got either Doug or Sophie by my side, and I wouldn't have any other. It's just a beautiful. They always make sure you feel love. That's for sure. <laughs> indeed, but indeed. But with Doug, you know, you gotta approach him. Let him scope you out first. Unless you're a total psycho, he's not gonna like you. He he knows the psychos. Um, oh, I, I have his heart though. I hope so. I hope so. I, I, he, I, I've won him over. But the, that's, yeah, most of the time the psychos are just other dogs. <laughs> that said, you ready to do the damn thing? I'm ready to do the damn thing. Alrighty, and that said, we're talking about young Pappy, who was born Shaquan Thomas on May 10th, 1995. He was a drill rapper from the north side of Chicago, Illinois. And drill rap is a style of rap trap music that originated in the south side of Chicago in the early 2010s. The genre is a prominent feature of Chicago hip-hop and is defined by its dark, violent, lyrical content and ominous trap-influenced beats. Drill progressed in the mainstream in mid-2012 followed the success of rappers and producers such as Young Chop, Chief Keith, Lil Durk, Fredo Santana, Rest in Peace Fredo, SD, and Lil Reese, who had many local fans and a significant internet presence. Media attention and signing of drill musicians on major labels followed. Drill musicians were noted for their graphic, lyrical content, as we said, in association with crime in Chicago. And I kind of kind of go to sidebar. I remember the first time, I think the first drill rap song that really blew up in like the Chicago scene was Cheap Keep Don't Like. And I just remembered I was coming, this was right after, I want to say spring break of my first semester at UIS. And like, I'm just, and I'm, I came back, and my brother and his friends were like listening to the song. Don't like mm, a fuck, nigga. That's that shit I don't. Like. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? I never heard anything like that a day in my life. And it just got released like three days prior, and already it had like 10, 11 million views, and like everybody was talking about it. And then all of a sudden, they did a remix with Kanye West, and it was like, wow, they these guys have really arrived. And oh shit! <laughs> so Young Pappy was part of that 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 culture, that that drill rap scene, and like many of those uh, rappers, performers, what have you, they had reputed gang affiliations, and Young Pappy was no different. He was a reported member of the gangst- the Gangster Disciples gang from the set known as the Insane Cutthroat Gangsters, PBG. The gang member's rap persona blew up on social media in 2004 as he released music videos online taunting rival gang members to take their best shot. With some of his popular songs include Homicide, Killer, what we just played to open up the uh, episode, and Savages, among others. And the people who did hear Young Pappy's lyrics tried, not once, but twice, 
when they shot at the rapper on two separate occasions, and they ended up killing somebody else, which we would get into. And this ignited a panic among people living who feared, who, who was with them, feared that they might be next. And ben, uh, ben Woodward of the Seattle Times and formerly of DNA Info wrote a really thought-provoking piece on the life and death of Young Poppy, which we'll refer to heavy as we get into this ep- episode. Um, but Woodward shared an antidote of when he tried to actually interview the rapper once, and it's a little bit of an interesting tidbit. Um, He actually stated it took months to set up a call to Young Poppy, who, again, real name is Shaquan Thomas. He said, that talk didn't last long, but he did lay into me. Upset, I wrote the things the police were saying about him and his streaking. Uh, He quoted, do you know how you make me look to society, the 19-year-old said, before he actually abruptly hung up on him. And I have to to stop you there. Like, that line is really kind of... It, it kind of baffles me because, I mean, just looking, if you look at his music videos, and not to speak ill of the dead, but if you look at just the content, just the lyrics alone, and you look at the visual, the acoustics of the presentation, you got guns and they got gang signs. And I mean, it's kind of just, huh, why would he say, oh, you know how you make me look to society? I mean, that's the message that you are conveying unto your yeah. viewer. So that really kind of like, huh? So and and it's it's confusing because yeah. he like you're thinking his rap videos were based around starting a fight with another gang. Mm-hmm. And most people who listen to it, the millions of people that listen to it, um, probably weren't gang in gangs or gang related, um, right. and probably were people in college or younger, which is not a good example. Mm-hmm. So, as Woodward went on to say, like, the events that surrounded uh, young Pappy, especially in the last years of his life, was pretty much inevitable. The police saw it. Watchful neighbors and reporters saw it. It wasn't a matter of if. It was a matter of when. And police, as Woodward would go on to say, locked up the rapper on any charge that might stick. And they made personal pleas to him and to his mother in the hopes that he would change his ways. But for years, as he was putting out this content, it stemmed a war that raged on social media from Facebook and Twitter, Instagram and YouTube between Young Pappy, his gang and gang rivals, and it usually spilled over in reality and spurs of violence that left otherwise quiet neighborhoods, streets stained with blood. On a cold February day in 2014, for example, Woodward described how he got a call from local newsroom that someone had got shot in the Rogers Park neighborhood where young Pappy lived. Marqueo Carr, 17, was one of those shot by a masked gunman, and three more people were hit. And as Woodward would write, it wasn't until later in that day that the rapper growing in prominence was likely the target. And young Poppy got shot in the arm. So it wasn't too detrimental. um, But his crew, which was about 20 members of the insane cutthroat gangsters, a faction of the gangsters' disciples, congregated on the corner across the street. That following week, it was revealed that surveillance cameras captured the shooting. And the chilling footage, or footage, well, the chilling footage shows that someone raised a handgun and opened fire on McCarroll. And 
the other victim started running away. And the restaurant owner stated that he was in total shock. And when he watched this lane for the first time on the monitor, instead he, this blah, 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 for the first time on the monitor inside his small storefront. Mm. And Woodward would then say that he tracked down young Pappy to a house on Lakewood Avenue in nearby Edgewater. His dad lived there. My knock on the door went unanswered, but I waited for about an hour until a middle-aged man walked out and headed toward Devon Avenue, Woodward, Woodward would later remember. I grabbed my notebook and pen and caught up with him. He got the least of it out of all of them, the father told Woodward. He also said that his son wasn't home. At least he knew where he was. A week later, young Pappy resurfaced on social media, tweeting the following, I'm still here. So even still, you know, with an attempted hit on his life, he is still, like, very brazen and, like, taunting these guys. And he's I mean, being arrogant. Like, he's asking to get shot up on the block. Mm-hmm. Fucking, fucking crazy. I don't know. I like to be arrogant and like to fight, but, like, I would shut the fuck up after I got shot <laughs> in the arm. You'd never hear from me again. Mm-hmm. But um, on March 26, 2014, young Poppy was in court on a reckless con- uh, conduct charge, and he got sentenced to 60 days in jail. He got out June 3rd. The ensuing summer, you could say, was a very bloody one. Oh, in the entire summer. summer, 48 people were shot. And 14 died in Rogers Park, Edgewater, and Uptown in 2014. That was according to the police data that we actually recovered. And surprisingly, young Poppy was back on YouTube. And he's with his, uh, disparaging his gang rivals in, what, what were we just talking about? Rap videos. Mm -hmm. And again, these videos racked up hundreds and thousands of viewers. And... It really began promoting his soon-to-be-released mixtape, Two Cups Part Two of Everything. It was the rapper's music was more than entertainment. And and and, and piggybacking on what you said, just said there, former Rogers Park Police Commander Thomas Wilder recalled the videos, technological kerosene, fueling the gang war raging on the street. Two months later, on July 13th, conservative vice lord Eric Vaughn allegedly handed a gun to a passenger and his son and told him, quote-unquote, wet that T-shirt up when they saw young Pappy walking down Devon Avenue near his dad's house. While he escaped the gunfire, an innocent bystander did not. Will Lewis, a 28-year-old photographer, was taking photos of the rapper as the gunfire erupted, and he never had a chance. The volley of bullets that missed young Pappy struck and killed Lewis. A city alderman who witnessed the shooting said that he heard a series of pop, 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 pop. Alderman Joe Moore, the 49th uh, District, uh, said that right. Yeah, I did. I know I am. He said that I knew right away that it wasn't fireworks. It was gunfire. Moore later said that the gunman followed young Pappy down Glenwood Avenue and then spotted Lewis on the ground. God damn. So you think and then, before, we'll be before you go in there, it's like, so we have two occasions. In the same year that people are gunning for young Pappy and you have two innocent bystanders get killed in the process. I mean, it's just, it's. How do you not feel guilty about that? I mean, I feel happy I'm alive, but like second time someone got killed in front of me. Mm -hmm. Fucking crazy. And then 
in early 2015, young Pappy was again back in jail. He got in the fight at the same McDonald's where Carr was killed. Police said the fight moved outside and down the side street, Columbia Avenue. And when the man he was fighting ended up with a bullet in his leg, which is interesting. But no one was charged in that shooting. But young Poppy was slapped with a reckless conduct charge. So, but I don't know if it's out of revenge or just to see who's more in power. I don't. You know, it can be a it could it could be an element true for both. I mean, the thing is, and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Like he may, there's a very good chance that he may have known. Well, we talked about the identity of the second uh, in the second incident, but with the first one, and this is uh, related to the uh, Mikhail Carr um, shooting, that he may have known who was you know gunning for him. And again, we don't want to get uh, ahead of ourselves, but. He maybe wanted to have, you know, unleash a form of retributive justice. So that I mean, makes sense. It, it who who knows? I think, but uh, yeah, and I don't know shit about it. So that's why I'm asking you. I don't know shit about the the lifestyle. Oh, we're gonna get into that. We will get into that. So don't uh, yeah. uh, trust me, there. We will get in all that shit. Excellent. So a couple of weeks later, Woodward visited and interviewed young Poppy's mother, Ingrid Thomas, and immediately he wrote that he recognized the building as the same place Carr had lived with his mother. Ingrid Thomas told me her son was talented, smart, yet misunderstood. She said the police stormed into her apartment with guns drawn to arrest her boy. They spent hours searching for a gun, but they never found one. In an interview with Vice in 2016, Thomas said her son wasn't a gangster. Instead, he adopted the name Young Poppy and the violent lyrics he spat out of necessity. That wasn't really who he was, and it's more of a mode of survival. Huh. huh. I mean, I, I huh. I'm, I'm, I'm going to whoop my ass if I was talking like that. Oh, wow. So, as we alluded to earlier, it was reputed that Young Poppy was gang affiliated and the problems that Pappy had with others were at least partially due to a long running feud between that gang, the conservative vice lords and the black P stones. The latter two have deep roots in Chicago with the conservative vice lords tracing their heritage back to the infamous Henry Horner Holmes projects. And I mean, you know, when I, when we put it right there, I mean, I just have all these flashbacks to, American Gangster, and there's a show on BT where they talked about, you know, a profile gangs like these and like all these, you know, crazy crimes that happen. Oh, it's giving us ideas for future episodes down the road. But that said, um, we talked about his mother, uh, Ingrid Thomas, who uh, said that the police could not be trusted. You know, they were quote unquote painting my son as someone that he's not. But that said, the mother was still scared for her son's life as the violence was close to home. Woodward later said that he chatted up with one of the sheriff's deputies checking bags at the courthouse in Belmont and Western Avenues while waiting for young Pappy's case of uh, the breakfast conic to be heard that day. Quote unquote, as Woodward later said, the sheriff deputy knew young Pappy and he also knew another rapper by the name of Bang the Hitter a rapper and fellow member of the insane cutthroat gangsters. As the deputy would say, they were regulars. 
and rivals targeted Bang the Hitter as well. In September of that year, they set his car ablaze in Rogers Park. Neighbors liking the scene to a war zone. And he responded with a post on his Facebook page. Oh, wow. Y'all blow up cars. And don't forget dot, dot, dot. And he continued with, but bitch, we blow up bodies. I ain't fucked up about it, though. And to me, that's... That's a strong, that's a strong statement. That is a very strong statement. Mm -hmm. Woodward described the scene at the courtroom saying, when young Poppy's court hearing resumed, I watched him. And while shackled and in jail scrubs, he pled guilty to reckless conduct charge and before Cook County Circuit Judge Anthony Calabrese. The judge just simply looked down and said, good luck to you. And he ordered the rapper release after time served of 29 days. But in May of 2015, that luck would finally burn out. The troubles resurfaced again when a SWAT team crashed Young Pappy's mixtapes release party at his dad's house on Lakewood. A neighbor said that she heard five shots before the street where she lived with her husband and daughter filled with officers. The evening had kicked off on social media when Young Pappy announced on Facebook the party started along with a string of festive emojis. And seven hours later, after a five-hour standoff with police, he was back online claiming police were harassing him and his family. And young Pappy and 30 other people got charged with misdemeanor disorderly conduct. About a week later, the rapper was back in jail for allegedly failing to appear for a hearing for an unrelated reckless conduct charge. He quickly posted bond and was back out on the street. And he didn't waste any time taking to YouTube to taunt his rivals. And he even released a new song called Shooters. I got this one. Nigga, you don't know how to shoot young pappy raps in a video, which has been viewed more than 12 million times on YouTube as of this recording. And then Woodward would really write that he woke up to a text message from a man familiar with the rapper's game. And it quoted, I think young poppy got murdered in Uptown last night. An hour later, he sent up a follow message. I'm almost certain young Poppy got assassinated. And he was right. In the early morning hours of May 29, 2015, 20-year-old Shaquan Thomas, a.k.a. Young Pappy, was shot two times in the back while he was standing in the 4800 block of North Kenmore Avenue at about 1.30 a.m. that Friday. Witnesses told the police a shiny black four-door car was driving west on Lawrence Avenue with its rear driver's side door open. After passing Kenmore Avenue, the driver hit the brakes, reversed east down Lawrence, and turned onto Kenmore before stopping. And that's when a thin man in a gray hoodie was actually seen sprinting to the car and getting in, according to the police. Thomas was taken to Illinois Massanica Medical Center, where he was pronounced dead at 2.04 a.m. No one else was injured in the shooting, and that it appeared to be gang-related. As of this recording, Young Poppy's murder has never been res- uh, resolved. Solved. There, we go. there we go. And last October of 2000, and not this October, but last year, Tay Slay, rapper and brother of Young Poppy, was interviewed by DJ Vlad. No, first of all, fuck DJ Vlad. But anyway, a hip-hop-oriented YouTube interview channel, and was asked about his brother's death. Stepping outside of him being my brother, I wasn't like them type of things happen to them type of people. 
because he was an actual street dude, Tastelay said. Actually, outside every day, you know, selling drugs with guns, all of that. It hurt me and it shocked me because that's my brother. But, you know, I know this is his lifestyle and that's what comes with his lifestyle. I wasn't totally prepared for that, but I had to get myself ready because that's the lifestyle. It's my lifestyle. It could happen to me. And then the interview goes on and Tayslay gives observations that to the casual listener, you really think, wow, when you hear it. And it's something that Cam had alluded to earlier when you talk about the culture and the lifestyle, all these things. And but when we dissect it after reading it, and to me and maybe to a couple of listeners, it's really not a surprise to hear what Kay Slay is really talking about. So back to that interview, and Kay Tay Slay, Tay Say, I said Slay, oh boy, is asked about what would happen if he knew who his brother killer was, his brother's killer was, and what he would do. To which he replies, "Of course, I'm angry, but I don't wish jail on anybody. You feel me?" Karma, that's what I believe in. And at the end of the day, if they go to jail, that don't got nothing to do with me. I wouldn't tell on them if I knew it was them. I wouldn't send them to jail. Nobody to jail. And that quote right there is a microcosm of a culture at large. And we might get long-winded a bit, but I feel we have, an, uh, we have to really elaborate on that to tie everything in. So just bear with us for a second. Um, I don't know if you remember this, Cam, but um, when we were in like eighth grade, and those of you listening, you may know where I'm getting with this, but there was a movement going around, and it was simply called Stop Snitching. This gained national attention in late 2004, about yeah, six, six, seven, eighth grade, in Baltimore, Maryland, where a DVD released by Rodney Bethay titled Stop Snitching began to circulate. But the flip side is the slogan Stop Snitching and many other variations have existed in urban areas around long before the campaign became popular. Before the DVD, there was a show that I referenced on this uh, podcast before. The greatest show of all time. Don't at me. The Wire. And there was an episode of a man getting killed because the murderers believed that he was talking to the police. And as fucked up as that was, life imitated art in the same area. Angela Dawson of Baltimore was killed along with her five children and husband on October 16, 2002, when their house was firebombed after she alerted police to illegal activities in her neighborhood. Another example of snitching resulted in tragedy was Michael Brewer of Deerfield Beach, Florida, a 15-year-old who, in October 2009, was doused in rubbing alcohol and set on fire after assailants yelled, he's a snitch, he's a snitch. But but back to the Stop Snitching DVD, a number of men claiming to be drug dealers addressed the camera and threatened violence against anyone who reports what they know about their crimes to the authorities. This threat was directed to especially those who inform on others to get a lighter sentence for their own crimes. And in fact, Cam, NBA star Carmelo Anthony briefly appeared in the video in subsequent interviews later on. Melo claimed that his appearance in the video was a joke. Who's my voice here? The product of his neighborhood friends making a home movie. Movie. Interesting. But as the DVDs spread across the country, corresponding shirts became popular in pretty much urban youth fashion. The shirts typically show a stop sign and uh, 
what is it? Oh, pretty much a stop sign in this. Uh, in bald light. Blah, blah, blah. In balls on. Emblazoned. Blah, blah, blah. Emblazoned with the words stop snitching. And, and I'll stop you there for, for a quick second. I had that as my uh, <coughs> MySpace profile picture. Do you fucking, I'm going to go on MySpace and find you. Are you under Birdman? No, no, this is way before the Birdman days. So you Alex Camp still? Yeah, it's like, stop Everyone snitching. Go on, go on MySpace, look up Alex Camp. You're not going to find me. <laughs> but anyways, the stop sign was emblazoned with the word stop snitching. Some shirts actually bared bullet holes, implying that snitches should or will be shot. Thus referencing its associated catchphrase, snitches get stitches. Which I do love that snitches get snitches phrase. Um, I've, I've, you, I've heard you said that on occasion uh, countless times. Yeah. And, and bitches get snitches. I don't know. <laughs> to his credit, and again, fuck DJ Vlad, but to his credit, DJ Vlad really pointed out that this type of mentality of insinuated retributive justice is really a cycle. And think about it, guys. Every so often you see a shooting in the news. One of the prevailing narratives is, well, the incident was a retaliation of another incident. Think about the nine-year-old Tyshawn Lee who got killed in Chicago about three years ago. The reason, if you guys remembered, was that the shooters believed that Lee's father had possible involvement in the recent death of at least two members of a rival gang. So to that end, these two grown-ass men lured this nine-year-old kid in the alley, and they executed him. He had nothing to do with his what his father's actions are. Exactly. That's fucking bullshit. And, and this is just the overall thinking of the streets. When you have a murder clearance rate of 17% in Chicago as it is, as of this recording, it really works hand-in-hand, hand really, because, number one, you have this onslaught of those who, when these murders occur... You don't trust the police enough to decide, fuck it, I'm putting the law in my own hands, I'm getting back at the people that I know had a hand to this. To that end, getting back to young Pappy, there have been rumors and innuendos, and if you search around the internet, you're going to find it that young Pappy himself was believed to have been involved in incidents that resulted in deaths of other people, not just the ones that we talked about. And the reason given was that they were in retaliation of previous shootings and murders perpetuated by the victims. But it's just going back to that cycle. And, and it feels back like it's never going to the end. taking matters into your own hands, it's really true. The, the amount of murders per police officers is extremely high. The police officers don't have time to figure out every gang-related murder. Every type of murder in, in Chicago, especially because of how big the city is, how many people are there versus how many police officers there are, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because people have to take matters into their own hands, they feel. Right. And then, like you were saying, in a wicked turnabout alluding to what we talked about in regards to snitching, you've given a community scared into talking to the police, which is also unfortunate. But not ill. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's just like you, you, you got a community scared because they have the fear of, well, if I talk to the ops and somebody finds out, that's my ass. And that's yeah. just the fucked up reality yeah, I've been living And everyone else. Mm-hmm. And, and here's the thing. God forbid there's a shooting or something to that effect and the police come knocking down. There's always going to be that thought in the back of my mind 
well, if someone finds out that I've been giving information, there's going to be repercussions to that. And as Tay Say had responded to DJ Vlad's assertion that this thing is a cycle, he replied, quote unquote, I can see where you're coming from, but that's not me going to the police. It's going to change a whole society of people. It's going to be like, he snitch. He's not the real. Get him up out of there. Pew, pew, imitating a gun noise. And I mean, that is pretty much, it's, it's, it's a cycle just, you know, summed up in a nutshell. It's an ongoing cycle, and it's unfortunate because it's getting bigger and stronger and worse, and there's literally nothing anybody can do about it. Yeah, and I mean... It's unfortunate to families. It's unfortunate that, you know, humans' lives are taken for granted like that. Um, But, hey, that's that's the point. That's their type of survival. Yeah, And, and right there is the... Violent Life and Death of Shaquan Thomas, also known as Young Pappy. I mean, it it like we talked about the you know this the culture of drill rap and shy rack, and you talk about murders in Chicago. And, you know, we talked about it before in the archives about Ben Wilson and and but I mean that was obviously as you know prevalent as gang violence and gun violence is in Chicago and has been for decades, you know, to talk about a case that just happened a few years ago and it's, you know, reminiscent of like so many unfortunate cases that we've seen time and time again. And I mean, this year alone, I mean, it's a, we, we keep talking about it until we're going to get blue in the face, but it's a cycle. And at the end of the day, it's pr- to, to break that cycle it's predicated on two things, I feel, and it's, number one, do you have to have trust with the community and police? And I mean, <laughs> that's easier said than done. I mean, that's probably going to go over as well as a, a mouse fart in church. But then also, I mean, just this notion of, well, if we, you know, if something happens, you know, I'm just going to have to take the law in my own hands. And, you know, an eye for an eye. But as Gandhi said, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. can be a lot, very dangerous. It is, yeah. But, like, and at the same time, though, that's the same, that's how people used to live, though. That's how the Egyptians lived. That's how people back in the olden days lived. Mm-hmm. That's even how original gangsters, Al Capone, lived. Right. Yeah, I mean... You know, and, and again, like we talked about in episodes past, you know, whether there's also talks about, you know, regulating gun control and this, that, and the third, and yes, that's a lot of elements of truth to that. But, I mean, it's, this, this is just the environment that... The mentality has to change, mm-hmm. and it, for it to change, it's got to crash and burn first, yeah. which... I mean, as, um, as, as we've seen, as I saw in these videos when I was just, just going over the research today, I mean, you you look at the, you guys look at the videos yourself and you see it's like, man, it's as if he had a death wish. And he's telling these people, take your best shot. And he's telling these people, like, after the, after the Markel Carr situation, I'm still here. You would think, oh, man, I just had a, you know... A near-death experience. Maybe this is going to cause, you know, turn my life around. But no, he still was running hard. And it's one of those things that, I'm, sadly, 
you live you, you live by the sword and live by the gun in this case you die by the gun and it's unfortunate because at that age too you feel invincible and i'm yeah. pretty sure avoiding death twice you're probably like i'm on top of the fucking world come mm-hmm. at me especially bro. in like, chicago can't be beat. yeah and it's it's an ongoing mentality that that probably doesn't go away till you're late 20s early Mm-hmm. Where you finally realize, holy shit, I can't live like Angela, not just a fucking, a fucking toy. Yeah, and I mean, and I probably didn't really explain, you know, when I grew out of my stop cinching phrase, because, I mean, when I was a kid, like, yeah, I believed heavy in that shit, like, yeah, stop snitching, man, it's the uh, pigs and fuck the police and all that shit, and Thank I mean... You. You get old, Same here. and obviously, I'm not in, in, in any way taking away the problems that minorities, African Americans and Hispanic Americans have with the police. I mean, that's like we talked about in Laquan McDonald uh, uh, episode, but it's one of those things is that, you know, you grow, you grow out of that, okay, man, something happens. That you want to, in any case, you want justice done. God forbid that ever happened to somebody I knew. You know, I have to take it to uh, a justice system. Yeah, it's flawed. Don't get me wrong. But you know, if you retaliate and you do something like that, it's just going to be, it's the, the payback is just, it's going to be more catastrophic than it's intended to be. It's almost a lose-lose situation, exactly. and it's it's unfortunate that you know the mentality is you only you only live once. Let's go all balls out. But it's also unfortunate that you have to have that mentality of protecting yourself and growing up and defending yourself. It's you know, I mean, it's of human nature, survival mm-hmm. of the fittest. We all have that beast inside us, but we shouldn't have to be living like no. that. And, and, and I'm, I'm really glad that you kind of, you, you, you said that because I mean, and that's the thing when we, uh, as we are products of UIS, the communications department, um, one of the prevailing, uh, lessons I learned was about the standpoint theory and how maybe a listener from say Naperville or even Springfield to that extent, and be like, man, you know, I can't believe that something like that might happen, and when you're from where I'm from, you have to have that in the back of your head, you go outside, you you got a paranoia that this might, you know, I might not be coming back, and that's something, you, you people might say that, oh, that's uh, exaggerated, not at the slightest bit. But see, that's the thing, I grew up in the DuPage County area. So that I, I find it amazing that not to snitch is a crazy thing. I mean, the only thing I have that's related to not making the next day is I'm a woman. So every time I leave my house, I'm kind of sort yeah. of keeping an eye out. But I've never had to worry about an entire, almost an entire community after me because we don't agree on mm-hmm. certain things. And I mean, trust me, I've done some stupid shit where I probably should have not been here. But right. um, that, that was our but, college years. Um, but, but 
it just blows my mind. Like, and I think too, once you really start living for yourself and living for, you know, your family, it's, it's a whole different mindset. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I mean, that said, you know, I was going to the store today and fuck, like it's, uh, it's like 20, even 20 degrees. I see this car pull down in the, in the, uh, they pull down the window and the first thing I'm thinking, oh man, he might mistake me for somebody else. And pow, that's me right there. That's the mentality that people, you know, live with when you're from where I'm from. And that's mm-hmm. that, that's just the lifestyle. Now, I'm not going to be out here. And, and I am a SoundCloud rapper, ladies and gentlemen. And you can actually find my rap as a cheap plug on uh, our SoundCloud page. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that said, if I'm got, you know, if I ever do like a music video, I'm not gonna be out here putting guns or blazing and saying this, that, or the third. Not to be judging, but I mean, it's, that's asking for danger. Exactly. As you, when you're 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 essentially playing Russian roulette with a full clip. Mm-hmm. It's it's you're asking. You know it's wrong, but you're asking for it anyways. You know it's wrong. You're playing with fire, and you're, you're asking to be burned. It's. It's the bottom line. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that right there, as you said, that's, you know, that's going to be our episode. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, I gotta get out this note. I'm going to do the notes on this one. You know, you, you I got know, somebody... why don't we, why don't you just do a little preview of what, you know, give a little, uh, little taste of what to expect in the next episode. Okay. <laughs> so, different, you know, we usually do episodes per week, but, my boyfriend and I, one of my besties, and her sister and I, we uh, camped when hiking last two weekends. Um, the place I ended up going was is a popular place in Illinois. It's called Starved Rock. There's a equally as beautiful park right next to Starved Rock. It's called Matheson um, State Park. Um, it's a little not as popular or well-known as Starved Rock, but it's equally as beautiful. Well, long story short, um, I have a... Um, a, a friend who actually wrote on my wall and, you know, called me Murderino, which is, you know, my favorite murder. Most of you guys listening probably know who they are. Um, and he ended up emailing me information on a fucking killer, a murderer who was in that state park killing people. And he has a connection to someone who actually fought her way off from this guy trying to kill her. So she survived it and had no idea he was a murderer until after he was caught. Um, so that's going to be really exciting. So go, go camp out at Star Rocker Matheson State Park, you guys. It's crazy. Huh. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. Like, apparently there was like a, I don't know if he said, I have to look at my notes again, but I don't know if he said a serial killer or like a murderer. So, you know. I don't, know the guy, I, 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 mean, I don't want I don't want to I don't want to get any spoiler alert. You can tell me after we're done recording, but fuck. And right? fuck. I'm just speechless. And and on that note, uh guys, we're gonna hit you back later on. This is us signing out. Before we go, we gotta do our uh social media and stuff. You can find us on Killinois Bird in the Cam on Facebook and IG. You can find me on Birdman Iceberg, Virgin Enthusiasm. You can find this girl on I Like Stuff on Twitter, Instacam like 630. It's I Like Stuff 630. There we Don't go. And Instacam 630. Or is it yep. Instacam? There we go on IG. Alright, guys. We'll Either catch your ass. Be there or be killed. Or be killed, bitches. Ah!